And we're going to trust and believe God for the Word of God to come forth today and to minister to each one of us just what we need. So to do that, let's pray. Father, we thank You for this beautiful day that You've given to us. We thank You for the gift of life. That we're here today. We're alive today because of life that You have put into us. Not only that, we thank You even more so for the gift of eternal life. For that life is in us because You've chosen as an act of grace to give that to us through faith in Christ. And we thank You for that. We thank You for the Word that You've given to us. This is not just any book. This is not just any words. But this Word is breathed by Your Spirit. It is alive and is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce even down into our hearts to separate out the difference between the thoughts and intents of our heart. And we're trusting the Holy Spirit today to take this very Word and to breathe into our hearts and into our understanding that which we need to hear It may be that every individual in here needs to hear something different, but you are able to do that. And Father, we just purpose today that we will esteem what you say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. While you're turning there, just a kind of word that went off in me because it's part of something that I've been listening to, a teaching series as I go to sleep at night on... uh, 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 just some good faith things to build me up and encourage me. And, and one of the verses that the teacher was teaching out of is in uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1. And it talks about who, who has believed our report. And he talked about esteeming the Word. To esteem something means to treasure it and to value it. And he made this comment. I, I, it really jolted me because it made me look at myself. Because I, I mean, my, my job is in the Word. My job is to study the Word. My job is to understand the Word. My job, my calling is to, is to do that. But, but he said the, only, the Word that will help you and cha- bless you is only the Word that you will esteem. So the, what I'm saying that because I, the, what we need to esteem what God wants to say to us today. Esteem means to treasure it and value it. Somebody gives you something that's very precious to them. That, that, you know, I have a gold watch my grandfather left me, gold pocket watch that was given to him when he retired. And I, I treasure that. I know right where it is. And I take care of it. It's, 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 I esteem it. And so we can come today and we can just say, well, I'm in church. And so because when I get out, I want to get out in time to get something to eat so I can watch the Patriots or whatever, you know, or enjoy this beautiful day, you know, but let's, I'm here and it's good to be here. But while you're here, let's get something out of it because eternal things will happen this morning. Eternal things will happen this morning because we're not just here to hear a lecture. We're not just here to gain information because I'm not good at lectures. We're not good. Uh, we're, we're here for something eternal to happen in our lives. We're here because the, the eternal almighty God who loves us, who is our Father, is here. Jesus, the Son of God, is here because He said, where two or more of you are gathered in My name, there am I in your midst. Well, there are more than two of us gathered here in His name. Not only that, His Spirit is here in us and among us, and this Word is here. So we have everything combined for a perfect storm in a good way for something supernatural to happen in your life today. But we must esteem that. We must expect that. We must be looking for it. We must be open to it. Did I give you enough time to find Second Corinthians chapter 4? I didn't find it yet. All right, here we go. What we're talking about as you continue to turn there and keep the Scripture up there, we've been talking about <clears throat> that, that God has called every one of us 
into a supernatural life. We began by looking at how you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. You're part of two different realms of reality. Your body, this physical body, is from this natural material realm, which is the realm that God made in Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning God said, and God created the heavens and the earth. And then God formed your man's body out of the dust of this earth. So it's out of the substance, the material of this earth, which is why when you're finished with it, it goes back into the earth. And it dissolves back into the earth until Christ comes to raise it from the dead again and give you a different body that's not comes from the material substance of this earth. And then you have a spirit which comes from the spirit realm, which is the realm where God exists. God is a spirit. And everything we do with God must be in spirit and in truth. Worshiping Him, prayer, everything must be in spirit because God is a spirit. It's another realm. It's an eternal realm. It doesn't change. It doesn't have time. It's all powerful. It, it's, it's, the realm, it's the realm God lives in. And that's your inner nature. Your real man of you is from that realm. And then God gave you a soul which is your mind, your will, and your emotions that connects the two together. And we're not going to go back over all of that. But I just want to mention, bring us back to that understanding because it's why this study we're on is so important. Because the Bible, that means if you, if you, are, if you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Christ, received Him as your Savior and as your Lord, God, by His Spirit, came into your heart and took your old spirit man out and gave you a brand new spirit born out of God. That's how you become God's child. So our inner nature is from that kingdom, from that realm of existence called the spirit realm. And then God, the Bible says God went another step further and He said, I'll take my spirit and put my spirit in you. The same spirit that was in Christ, God's put in us. So we are a, have a body which is from this natural material realm, but who we really are is from another realm of existence, and it's a supernatural realm. It's God's realm. It's all-powerful. It's all-knowing. So the kingdom of God is in you if you're a Christian. Sitting quietly in your blue chair right now, trying to stay awake, the kingdom of God is in you. All the miracles that Jesus did came out of His inner nature, came out of by the Spirit of God who dwells in Him. In Romans 8, 11 said, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, there's only one Holy Spirit. So what He did in Jesus, He wants to do in you. We don't have time to go over it, but Jesus clearly taught that. The works that I do shall you do also in greater works than you do because I go to the Father. Because when I go, I'm going to ask Him to send the Spirit that's in me to be in you. But the church is living so far below that. We're reacting like the world, reacting to the world. We're doing what Paul told us not to do in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world. But we're reacting by, in our flesh. We're dealing with spiritual issues in our flesh. And mo many Christians are just living a defeated life. We're controlled by fear. We're controlled by dis despair. We're, we're all kinds of things that come out of this world system that are controlling us, that are keeping us down so we can't do what we're here to do. We're here to be a witness of Christ. None of it, listen carefully. We're not here to be a witness of His teaching. We're to teach. We're not here to be a witness of His character, although that's part of it. We're to be His witness, a witness of Him. We get, sang a song earlier, I give my life away so that you might use me. 
And that's good, but when often my spirit is God said, I don't want to use you, I want to have you. He wants a relationship with us. But that can only be spirit to spirit. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, not Revelations, Revelation, begins by saying the Apostle John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? We're gonna, that's what we're talking about. He was more in tune with the Spirit man on the inside of him than he was with the fact that he was exiled onto the Isle of Patmos. And so the way to, how do we do this? How do we get, how do we get what's on the inside to the outside? Well, Romans 12, 2 says, by renewing our mind. That's what we're doing now. But renewing our mind to what? Renewing our mind to what God's done when, he's, when you were saved. Renewing our mind to who lives in us and what lives in us. Renewing our mind to who we really are on the inside. Because if I were to ask you, well, who are you? Most of us, most men define ourselves by what we do. Well, I'm a plumber, I'm a doctor, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a laborer. Or, and, and women define themselves by relationships, basically. I have these kids, I, you know, women get together, how many children do you have? How many grandchildren do you have? And then they pull out the phone with the pictures and things like that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we think in terms, that's how, but that's not who you are. Who you are, if you're in Christ as a child of God, who you are is who you are on the inside. And so we, that inside comes to the outside, Romans 12, 2, by renewing our mind, changing how we think about ourselves, how we think about others, and how we think about, the, about God in the, in the Word of God. Now, here's how the Bible says to do that. We looked at this. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But back in Galatians, it talks about just simply how to overcome your flesh. Your flesh wants to see your flesh is from the old. God didn't change your flesh. That's our job. Your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. It wants to be in charge. It wants to do what's wrong. It wants to eat what it shouldn't eat as much as it wants to eat. Your flesh, that's why we have to be in dominion. Paul says, I keep my flesh under. I keep my flesh under. Lest ever having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. That means fail the test. We've got to keep our flesh under. That's our job. God gives us His Spirit to enable us to do that. And this is what we looked at. Most of us have tried to do that, but you're looking at me like I'm strange. Okay. We'll get out of this. Don't worry. Just follow me along. <laughs> Galatians talks in verse chapter 5 about how we overcome the flesh. It talks about don't, the works of the flesh and then it contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is what your inner nature, your spirit man brings forth by its nature. Love, joy, peace, self-control, all those things. The works of the flesh are things your flesh just wants to do, but it's not your nature. And the key to this is it says, I think it's in verse 16, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And we talked about the fact that most Christians are trying to overcome their flesh by their flesh. I try harder. I'm going to determine more. And the harder you try and the more you determine, the more you're going to do what you're determining not to do. And we looked in Romans, Romans chapter 7, starting in about verse 14, where Paul's own testimony of his own. But what he learned was not to do it in his flesh. He learned to do it by walking in the Spirit. 
And so that's what we're talking about. Walking in the Spirit. How do we learn to walk? Because what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means to live your life more aware of the Spirit realm and the Spirit life that's on the inside of you than you are of the natural world that's outside of you. Now, obviously, you're driving your car. You better be aware of the natural world that's out there that you're seeing. But when it comes to the issues of life, when it comes to the things that are important, we've got to learn to be more aware on the inside than we are on the outside because God's Spirit's waiting to talk to you, but you've got to listen because he will not force himself on you. Now, having said all that, in order to do that, we've got to learn something else. These are building on one another. What we have to do, which is right in here, and, and we're not going to take the time. Now, this is right Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. What, when Paul says we do not lose heart, he talks about what he's just gone through. In fact, this letter starts with, I despaired even of my own life. I mean, Paul had to deal with his emotions. But then again, if you read what he went through, he was, he was beaten five times by the Jews, just as Jesus was scourged. He was beaten by them with 49 stripes, five times. He was stoned to death once and was raised from the dead. He was in prison many times. He was without food many times. Several times he was a night and a day in the ocean because a ship went down in one case. And Paul said, on top of that, I got the care of all the churches, whether they're going to backslide or not. And he gets weary. And he talks about at one point, you know, there was a messenger of Satan, not sickness and disease, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, to oppose him. And he says, I cried out to God three times. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. God didn't say no. He said, I've given what, you're gonna, what you need. Sometimes we're asking God to do something, and God's saying, stir yourself up. Stir up the gift that's in you, Timothy, Paul wrote to him. King David encouraged himself in the Lord at the lowest point of his life. Sometimes we've got to do it. This is one of the things God's dealing with me about. One of the things I've learned going through this journey of healing have been amazing. There are things God says, you've been asking me to do things that I can't do because I've already done it. You've got to enforce it in your life. Well, that went over big. <laughs> See, we like to have it on God's shoulders because then if it doesn't happen, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. I guess I'm doing something wrong. Most of what we're doing wrong is that we're not doing what God's told us to do. And if God's told us to do it, we can do it. Well, that went over even bigger. We're having fun this morning, aren't we? So Paul goes through these things. He said, I was perplexed. That means confused. I was in despair. But he always said, I was perplexed, but, but not discouraged. I was in despair, but not cast down. So he went through these emotions, but he never gave up. He always had a hope in front of him. And now here's why. How was Paul able to overcome all those things? And I wanted to talk to you about his emotions because Paul had emotions too, just like you and I do. Sometimes I thought of the Apostle Paul. This man was just a rock, such a solid rock. He walked through things and they never bothered him. No, they did. He had to deal with his emotions just like you and I do. But he overcame. He overcame. And he learned to overcome because he learned how to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Satan has no inroad into your spirit. I need to say that over here too. Satan has no inroad into your spirit. That belongs to God and is in God's kingdom. 
the only avenue Satan has to get at you is through your flesh and then through your mind. So if you walk around to, oh, Satan's doing this, the death tells you you are living in your flesh. And the Bible's term for that is carnal. Carnal just means I'm more conscious of my body than I am of my spirit. Okay, everybody with me so far? And here's how he did it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man, talking about the body, which is of this natural realm, is perishing, yet our inward man, our spirit man, is being renewed, being re-strengthened day by day. Verse 17. For this light, our light affliction, I just talked to you about some of his light affliction was, is for a moment. Here's Paul's mentality. See, I, I'm just coming through this, this, this healing journey, and it can get overwhelming to you. If you're dealing with some issue of life, whether it's health issue or family issue or finances, you can get to the point, I've been living with this so long, it, just, you take, it becomes part of your identity. Oh, I've got to deal with this every day, especially if you're dealing with pain. It's just always there. It's in your face. You wake up in the morning, it's there. You go to bed at night, hope I can sleep tonight. You know, it, it, it's always... But, but pain is talking to you through your body. I'm going to help somebody here. Pain is talking to you. So your body talks to you. You better answer it. Your body talks to you. It'll tell you you're not going to make it. It'll, it'll start counting the days you've been dealing with. Well, we've been dealing with... How many months have we been dealing with? Oh, my gosh, it's been six months. Oh, my God. Well, the message is, oh, it's going to be hard to get out of that now. Be aware of what you're thinking. The Bible tells us to take every thought captive to obedience to Christ and punish every thought that's in disobedience to it. We've got to do that. That's our responsibility. So Paul's outlook was this. This was his mindset. With all that he'd gone through, and he just recited it. I heard the Lord talk to me because, because one of my tendencies is to go back over things I've just come through and see how much better things are today than they were before. And, so, and the Lord says, don't keep looking back. Look forward, don't look back. Look forward, don't look back. Paul was aware of what he'd been through, but it did not affect his identity. It did not affect what he saw. His perspective was this. Everything he'd been through, he counted. And you have to count this. It's not going to automatically happen to you. He chose to look at everything he'd gone through as a momentary light affliction. Momentary talks about how long he had to go through it. If whatever you're going through never changes in this life, never changes, if you never get your healing, if you never get out of debt, if your family never turns around and you're the only one saved in your family, and you remain faithful to the Lord to do what He says, you're going to look back in five seconds in heaven, and you're going to look back at everything you went through as a momentary light affliction, because you will now have an eternal perspective. And the devil works very hard to make sure we keep our perspective on what we're going through now and what we have gone through and what they did to me and why I don't have what I ought to have by now and all that stuff of this life. He wants us to dwell on it, talk about it, meditate on it, 
everything on it and get saturate ourselves with this. So we read our Bible and say, yeah, I know there's a heaven. I know God's real. We come to church and we sing songs about God. I know God's real. And we go back out into that world out there with this carnal attitude. And by that, again, I mean just the, the, this, this perspective of temporary, short-lived. It is horrible. I'll never get out of this. Yes, you will. When you die, you'll get out of this. That's the answer? It's because we don't understand death and what the Bible says about death for a Christian. That's victory. Paul says, this stuff I'm going through is just a momentary light. Now, these terms, momentary, I'm just dwelling on this. For some reason... I really feel led to dwell on this. We may not get really into the message. This is the introduction. This is a review. Moment, momentary is a relative term. It talks about time. For some of you, this service may seem momentary. For others, it may seem eternal. <laughs> but it's the same amount of time. <laughs> Yeah, our brother Link, I oh, miss him so much, he used to sit right there and look at his watch. And he had to explain to me, he says, Pastor, it's not because I'm kind. He said, I just have a habit of checking my watch all the time. It came from his Navy, these days in the Navy. So <laughs> momentary is a, is a relative term compared to what? So I'm 71. That seems to me like a lifetime. That was a joke. It is my lifetime. <clears throat> and it's easy, you know, as I began to approach 70, it's like, wow. You're old when you're 70. Forgive me. But I mean, I'm there. it's like, no, you're not. But that was the mindset I had until I began to think in God's terms, 70 years out of eternity is Nothing. So the, if you think in terms of this world's term, this is why I'm taking this as an example, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm confident I don't have 70 more years here. You don't want me to have 70 more years here. I don't want to have 70 more years here. So if you think in those terms, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't have as much time left as I used to have and it's get, every day gets shorter and shorter and shorter. That's if you think in terms of, of this earth if you think in carnal terms. And then you begin to react to those. But 70, 80, 90 years is nothing in eternity. So it's momentary. And then he talks what he's going through. That's light. Light is a comparative term too. Because some of us in here are lighter than others. Let's put it that way. So it all depends on what you're comparing it to. Paul's comparing all the stuff he went through to the reward he's going to have. So although this was whatever his lifespan was, 40, 50 years, he said it was momentary. And all the stuff I just listed I went through compared to what's awaiting me is light. 
is working for us. So what I've gone through, and it's not just the affliction you go through, it's the fact that you go through it. It's the fact that you do what you're here to do in spite of the devil's opposition. Say, how come the devil opposes us? You must be something there to oppose. If he's leaving you alone, you may want to ask why. (laughs) Pastor, why am I going through this? Well, there can be several reasons. One is because you could be wrong, and the other because you could be right. (laughs) So you can't find out why you're going through something because of what you're doing or not doing. But the devil opposes God's kingdom. And, and His kingdom is in you and in me. So just as He sent messengers to afflict Paul, to oppose Paul, He's going to send messengers to buffet you, to buffet this church, to buffet His church. And if you keep looking at the, mess- the buffeting, if you keep looking and talking about what's going on, you'll begin to adopt the world's perspective. It's like, oh my gosh, this has been so horrible. Are we ever going to get through it? The world's falling apart. Look how dark it's getting. This is a moment. Do you understand that we are at a point in time that God has looked at over all the ages. There's things going on spiritually right now that are lining themselves up that that, that, that have been designed before this earth was ever formed. And you and I are a part of that. We're here for such a time as this. It's easy to look at, oh my goodness, what a horrible time. No! We're here for such a time as this. God knew what He was doing when He put you here now, put me here now. But we've got to have, this is not in my notes at all, we've got to have His perspective, not the perspective that the world gives us or that our unrenewed mind gives us. 'For this momentary light thing I'm going through that I've been complaining about, Oh, am I ever going to get out of this? No, this moment is earning for me. Working for me. Now, the affliction doesn't work anything. Any more than the weights in my basement do any good. Unless I go down there and I exert my effort against those. So it's what you do in the affliction. And in fact, what you'll learn, if you look, if we, go, if we were to take the time, we're not going to, to go to Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about the fact, he says, I've learned to glory in tribulation, trouble. Is that your attitude this morning? I'm not sure it's mine yet either. I've learned to, say, so you had to learn to do it. I've learned to glory in tribulation, in trouble. Because I've discovered this, that tribulation produces perseverance, steadfastness. Well, it doesn't automatically... James tells us in chapter 1, talks about going through difficult times. See, so much of the writings of the New Testament after the, after the Romans really deals with two basic issues. It deals with not backsliding out into the law again, out of grace. It also deals with how to handle persecution. We don't like that. But and that's actually the interesting thing is the further you get along in the New Testament, the more you're dealing with how you handle persecution. The beginning is about doctrine. Romans is about doctrine. It talks about how you deal with trouble. Not sickness and disease, persecution for standing up for the gospel. And my brother and sister, it's coming, it's here. It's coming. 
You sat with those men with me on, on, on Thursday. You can, it, it's coming. It's knocking at our door now. And we, this is why our perspective has got to be God's perspective. And then you won't be afraid. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, that place is right up in God's will. Right up there in God's will. And I believe the Spirit of God is preparing us because He loves us. We're His children. A good father prepares his children to go out into the world and face whatever it is. And as a real, he'll discipline them, not with sickness and disease, but in the middle of it, you'll learn something. God didn't put on me what I was dealing with. That didn't come from Him. But in it is the opportunity for me to find out where my faith really is. It's one thing to stand up here and preach it. It's another thing to actually deal with it. You find out where you are. Well, it's not a shock to God. He knows. And if we look and say, well, that's where I am. Now, God, what do we do? He'll show you. He'll work because He's a loving Father. This is just, this is the Spirit of God this morning. Tribulation earns nothing. It's what you do in it. And it starts with a decision. How am I going to handle this? Am I going to panic? Am I going to react? Am I going to feel sorry for myself? That's another thing God's dealt with me about. You can't have pity and victory at the same time. Oh, don't get me going on that. You can't have pity. And see, when you're going through something, people are, oh, how are you doing? Uh, oh, and you begin to listen. Oh, well, you know, it's hard. It's, you know, like that. And that feels good. Listen carefully. That feels good to the flesh. And I'd love to tell you I didn't give in to that at all. But I did at times. And you get attention that way. This is why there are people, I'm just, this is tonight, this is why there are people that are, that, 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 that are not receiving their healing because they really don't want it. They don't know they don't want it because if you ask, oh, of course I do. But there's a price to being healed. There's a price to being free. You don't get the same attention you got before. You don't get the same parking space up front. You don't get special dispensation at work. So there's a price to be free. There's a price to be well. There's a price for these things. You can't get the... And, but those things are, are, are like an addiction. They feed our flesh, that attention. Oh, it must be hard. Oh, yes, you don't know how hard it is. <laughs> Massage me over here. Oh, oh, it feels good. It feels good to the flesh. It feels good. But Satan's a deceiver. He's always after something other than what... He'll appear to give you something that doesn't seem like came from him, but what he's after is your faith. He's after the word in your heart. He's after what he knows will destroy his life, his influence in your life. He's after your attitude. Paul... Uh, in, 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 in James chapter 1, he says, he says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you're going through trouble. Count it all joy. He doesn't say, let that joy just flow, because it doesn't flow when you're going through trouble, unless your really mind is really renewed, like Paul's was. Count it all joy, knowing this, that the trying, that, 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 that trouble is going to produce in you 
perseverance. Well, it doesn't produce anything unless you stand against it. Any more than those weights in my basement will do any good unless I resist them, use them and resist the weight. So the affliction doesn't work anything. It becomes the opportunity for me to work it. But that's an attitude you have to have. It's working for us a far... These are also relative terms. A far more exceeding. I can't, you cannot get across in English the fullness of what that says in Greek. It's a superabounding, exceeding, eternal weight of glory. If you could just see into heaven what's waiting you, it would change everything. I've shared with you before. There are several men I've known in my life that actually died, went to heaven and came back. And it completely changed them. Completely changed them. They cannot fear because they've seen where they're going. They've seen into the spirit realm. They've seen it. With, they've seen it. And once they've seen it, they're never the same. Hebrews chapter 2 says that because he was compassionate, he took on flesh and blood like his brethren. He took it on so that he might destroy him. That's Satan. And tells you it is who has the power of death. That through the fear of death kept us in bondage all our life. See, Jesus came to set us free. Not just so we could go to heaven, to set us free here. John says, Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That means an experience. God's will is that you be completely free, not in any kind of emotional bondage, any kind of physical bondage. He wants, you're His child. He wants you free. He wants you well. Third John, my brethren, I wish above all things that you be prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God's will, you've got to get this, God's will is for you to be well. It starts it. God's will is for you to be well. God's will is for you to be free. Completely free. That's His will. That's what He wants. And the devil has opposed God's word from the garden on. Has God said? So he gets us to look at the word of God. Well, is that really what it means? Maybe, maybe God doesn't want that. Well, what are people's experience? Well, I know everybody, you know, so-and-so believe God and they didn't live. And so-and-so. And we begin, to, we begin to interpret God's word in terms of people's experiences. And we open the door to Satan to do just what he did in the garden. Has God said? The moment you allow that question, to question God's word, you open a door to Satan to come into your thinking to become double-minded. He doesn't mind you believing this sometimes and then not believing it others. The Bible calls that double-minded. And it says a man that's double-minded is unstable in all his ways, not that man that, not that man think he'll receive anything from God. Not because God's holding it back. It's hard to give something to somebody that's unstable because they can't hold on to it. Oh, this is just going all over the place this morning, but... Paul's perspective. Oh, we're in Romans 5. Romans 5, he says, I can't, therefore, he says, he says, I've learned to glory, because he talks about glorying in the glory that's coming. He says, we're in peace with God through Christ. 
He says, I've learned, I glory now, I learned to glory in tribulation. Trouble. Why? Because I recognize trouble produces in, produces perseverance. Not giving up. And perseverance, if I continue in it, produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. Hope in the Bible in the New Testament is not, well, I hope so. It's a confident, steadfast assurance. And that hope will never disappoint. Because God has shed His love for you abroad in your heart when He put the Holy Spirit in there. He's the proof of our hope. So whatever it is you're going through right now, whatever's facing you, whatever's facing us, this has to be our perspective. Verse 18. We'll finally get to verse 18. For, and this is the key. This is walking in the Spirit. For we do not look at the things that are seen. What you look at determines where you'll go. Now understand, you have two sets of eyes. You have those two that are looking right back at me right now, that are holding your, you know, that are right here in your face. But you have also inner eyes. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. About the, your spirit has senses of hearing and of seeing, and your just as your body has senses. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter one. He says that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. He wasn't talking about seeing something with these eyes. He was talking, have you ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden something just goes off and you say, whoo, I just saw that. I just saw that. That wasn't with these eyes. That was with the eyes of your spirit. But we're not to just every once in a while see something when it quickens us from the Word. We're to see into that realm all the time. We're to walk looking in that realm. <laughs> I was out walking a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, and uh, in our neighborhood, there's a, there's a pattern that I walk. And this was during the summer because there were some kids out like this with their phones. And I had just read about this thing called Pokemon Go. So I stopped them. It bothered them, I think, because I stopped them because they were trying to go. And I said, is that Pokemon Go? Yes, yes, yes. Because I saw them out there the, like two or three days in a row. They're walking around. They could have walked into cars. They're walking with their eyes in this application on their phone. We need to learn to walk with our eyes on the application that's on the inside. That's what Paul's talking about. Here's how you do this. Here's how you maintain, have and maintain this victorious attitude, for we do not look at the things that are seen. And I, I've done this before, but it'll help again. You know, look at me. Now close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Now you've just done what he said. You've looked not at something that's seen. You can open round. So that's easy. How do I look not at something that's seen? I don't pay attention to it. I don't pay attention to it. So when my body's hurting in a certain place, I decide whether I'm going to pay it. Now, it's hard when your body's hurting to just completely ignore it, but just because it's hurting doesn't mean you've got to... Because when your body hurts, then your mind will start telling you what that means. Your mind will talk to you about the pain. That's where you've got to stop it. 
It's not just, well, I ignore this pain and it's going to go away. It might if you've got a strong enough mind, but most of us don't. But, but what do I do with the thoughts about the pain? What do I do with that? What do I do with the thoughts about the bills that keep coming in and I don't have answers to it? What do I do with it? Because it's bombarding your natural senses, but it's, we've learned this in renewing the mind. It's not what you see or hear that affects you. It's what you think about what you see and hear that controls you. I've known of children that have grown up in the same family, gone through the same horrific situation and responded very differently. They saw the same thing, but they didn't think the same thing about it. That's up to us. So that's how you look not at the things that are seen. I've got to choose. Am I going to be let this, what my senses are telling me, dominate me and control me? Now understand this. You don't master this overnight. But if you don't start, you never get there. But at, we look at the things that are not seen. That's a little trickier. Because to look not at the things that are seen, you just turn away from them. But we, see, the Bible never tells you to not do something without telling you what to do. To replace it. Jesus says if you cast the, 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 a demon out of, of a house and you leave it swept and clean, be careful because if you don't put something back in there good, he's going to bring back seven more worse. So we've got a God's God built a little God doesn't base things on a negative, he bases things on a positive. The negative is the other side of it. So God doesn't just tell you don't do something, he tells you what to do. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Now what are the things that are not seen? Remember the two realms of existence? The natural material realm is the realm that can be seen with your eyes, with your senses. The spirit realm is the realm that cannot be seen with your eyes or senses. They can only be seen with your spirit eyes. And that's the eye of faith. That's the eye of faith. For we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the, this is why. For the things that are seen of this natural realm are temporary, which is why it's a momentary light affliction. Because if it's in this realm, it's momentary and it's light. It's temporary. But the things that are not seen, the spirit things, are eternal. Everybody with me? Well, we just got through the introduction. Okay. <laughs> and here's the key. Let's go to chapter 5. For we know if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. So our brother Chris, on Friday morning, walked out of his tent and walked into his home. We know, not we hope, not I'm praying. Paul says, we know. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul was going through a difficult time. He's in prison, actually. And he says, he says you know, I go through this struggle sometimes where I don't know whether I want to stay here or not because they may execute me. And he says, I'm wrestling inside of myself whether to stay here or go. It almost sounds like Paul had some say in it. For me, to die would be gain because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But it's more beneficial for you that I stay in this body. For we know, so Paul knew. We're not hoping. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, this body... When we talked about this before, a tent is a temporary residence. It has no foundation. It can be moved. If this tent is destroyed, our body, we have a building. The contrast is a tent and a building. We have a permanent residence, home from God. A house not made with hands, but eternal 
in the eternal in the heavens. This is why we don't have to fear death. The moment you leave that body, you go into that house. Verse 2. For in this, in this body, we groan. Ever get up in the morning and go, oh. We groan, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is in heaven. This was Paul's attitude. I can't wait to put this thing off. This is what gives me trouble. For if indeed we've been clothed, we shall not be found naked. In other words, there's not going to be some gap where you take off this body and you're floating in Never Never Land out there. Until someday, yes, there'll be a day when it's raised from the dead, but you'll have a spirit body. Having been clothed, no, go back again, we weren't quite done. For indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. God's not going to leave you. Jesus is faithful to you. He will not leave you without a dwelling. Okay, now you go to verse 4. For we are in this tent groaning burden, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, so that mortality, this body, this temporary world, may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5. For now He has prepared us for this very thing as God. God prepared us. So when we face death, when someone faces death, God prepared us for that. He never prepared us to live here. Now, in the original creation He did. But you weren't made to live here forever. You don't want to live here forever. You don't want to live in that body forever. But if you don't have any alternative, if you don't know where else you're going, or, or, or if you don't have an assurance of where you're going, you're going to want to hold on to it. Who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. God's put His Spirit on the line. He's put a tangible evidence inside of you and me that we can have confidence that when we leave this body, there's something else waiting for us. Verse 6. So we're always confident, knowing that while we're at home in this body, we're absent from the Lord. And here's what I want to get to, verse 7. How do we know this? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. So in order to walk in the Spirit, walk more conscious of this eternal realm that's on the inside of me, of who is living on the inside of me, of the fact that He wants to give us direction and wisdom and insight and understanding. Every day He wants to commune with you and talk with you. Every day He wants to answer your questions. Every day He wants to, the Spirit of God is the helper. In the, in the Amplified, it calls Him, a, it's got, I think, seven different names for Him. Counselor, helper, strengthener, standby. The word in Greek actually means somebody called along aside you to assist you in whatever you need. He's your advocate. He's your representative. He's your lawyer when you go to court. He's your doctor when you need healing. He's, he's whatever you need. God has put Himself in you by the same Spirit that He used to create the universe and He used to raise Christ from the dead. He put Himself in you to meet whatever your need is. Whatever it is. And we live so far out underneath that because we don't live in touch with who's in on the inside of us. And God wants you to know Him. He wants Because that's, that's Him. But we can only do that by learning to walk by faith and not by sight. You can't just walk by faith. You have to choose to not walk by sight. It's what are you looking at? That's why we're worth spending this time on this morning. What is it you're looking at? Not with these eyes, but with these eyes. I come out of the doctor's office, I get this wonderful report, 
very encouraged. The doctor's pleased. The, 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 the number's down below what he wanted it to be. And, I'm, you know, and, and, then, then, and now, now what I've got to decide is what am I going to look at? I'll rejoice in that. But I can't put my confidence in just... He's, he's a wonderful doctor, and we praise God for our doctors. We've got some great doctors here, but the doctors deal with things based on what the natural mind... They deal with things on the scene. But there's an unseen realm out there that affects the scene. Medicine heals by understanding the problem and using our minds of these brilliant people to figure out how to use the body to heal itself with different aids. But God heals by a spiritual force. And spiritual forces are greater than natural forces. I'm just using healing as an example here. So we have to learn to be conscious that there's inside of us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Think he can handle a toothache? Some of you are sure of that. Think he can handle... If he, if he raised Christ from the dead, if He created the universe? While Jesus was on the earth, he spoke, to, he spoke to a man with a withered arm, and it just grew out. He spoke to people with no limbs, and they grew out. He spoke to blind eyes, and they opened. Deaf ears, and they opened. He spoke to a woman who was bent over 38 years, and she just stood up. He got rid of the spirit, and he stood up. It's interesting there, because it, it says that she had a spirit of infirmity. But I guarantee you that if she went to... Rhode Island Hospital or to an orthopedic doctor and they did x-rays on her, they'd find some kind of arthritis, some physical that was there. But Jesus recognized there was a spirit behind that, causing that. Dawned on me early on that, 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 that cancer cells in, 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 in my body have to get life from somewhere. And the life of something comes from a spirit. Because the Bible says if the spirit leaves you, then your body dies. So cancer cells are getting their life from some kind of spirit. And not God, because God didn't create them. So if cancer cells are getting their life from some spirit, it's not the spirit of God, it's some other spirit. And we've been given authority over those spirits. What I'm trying to get you to see is there's a spirit component behind natural things. And God wants us living conscious of that realm because that's the realm where the victory comes from. But to do that, you've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And there are times sight is staring you in the face. You can go to bed at night, oh, just so peaceful because you're in the Spirit. Oh, Lord, I know you've taken care of this. And you wake up in the morning and you don't even know if you're saved. And it's just staring you in the face. You've got to go back and start over again. It's a daily fight to not walk by sight and to walk by faith. You have to talk. I'm getting ahead of myself. You have to talk to yourself because your body's talking to you. You've got to answer your body when it talks. You've got to talk to yourself. And tell yourself who you are. Tell yourself what God says about you. That I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not the old person I was. I walk by faith and don't by sight. I don't care what this looks like. I walk by faith and not by sight. There have been times my body screamed at me and I said, okay. 
There's times I've listened to that. But most of the time I answered back and said, I don't care what you feel like. This is what God's Word says. And what I'm going to get you to the place is, now I'm learning, what you've got to do is take God's Word and then we have to enforce it. See, most of the church is waiting for God to do something. Well, Lord, I'm going to ask you to do this. Please heal me. But if He's already done it, then He can't do it again. It's like when God said to Moses, I've got to stop here. When God, he didn't say, you're Moses, I've got to stop here. When God said to Moses, when the Red Sea's in the way and Pharaoh's army's bearing down on him, and God says, and the people cry to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? And Moses says, excuse me, God, why did you bring us out here to die? What are we going to, God, do something. What was God's answer? He says, why are you standing there talking to me? Uh, God, Pharaoh's army, the Red Sea, and God says, what's in your hand? What was in his hand? The rod that God had given him to do the miracles. God's provision to deliver Israel was in Moses' hand. And the Lord spoke to him, he says, son, I've given you what you need for that victory. It's in your hand. What is it? He says, it's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. At that name, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall declare that Jesus is Lord and the glory of God the Father. He's given His name to His church. In my name you shall cast out David. In my name you shall do this. In my name. He has put in our, the church's hand the rod. Moses had a rod from God. The church has the name most high given to us. And we're waiting for God to do something, and God says, I've given you my word. You go enforce it with my name. We got to stop here. That's just the introduction. That's the review. Praise the name of the Lord. 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 Say this with me. I walk by faith and not by sight. Devil, you hear that? I walk by faith and not by sight. Body, you hear that? I walk by faith and not by sight. My mind, you hear that? I walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Now we got to go do that. You gotta, you gotta keep saying that to yourself over and over and over again. You get up in the morning. Today we walk by faith and not by sight. Today I'm walking by faith and not by sight. It's a battle. It's something you have, but you gotta go. You go through it. Well, you begin to begin to grow in you. Oh, we gotta stop. Praise the Lord, Father. We just thank you that you have provided victory for us. Your word is truth. And your promises are yes and amen in Christ. And you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should change your mind. And have you not said it, and shall you not bring it to pass? Father, we commit today. Lord, in most of our lives, we've been so moved by our flesh, our mind, the world, and everything around us, and not moved by what you've put on the inside continue to open our eyes to see the kingdom of God that you have put within us 
and all that you have put within us so that we know that you've equipped us to do what you put us here to do. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.